Welcome to the How of Car Washing podcast. This is Henry Lopez. David Begin recently had an opportunity to chat with Dan Cassell about a historic car wash he is currently redeveloping. This is part two of that interview. Part one was released last week. Now, here is David Begin with part two of his conversation with Dan. Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. What were you able to do with the building? What changes did you have to make, not make, to make the car wash work? And I guess you also, it's its an open open building, is that correct? It's not like sealed up. Correct. Okay. Yeah, the, the it's a 180-foot tunnel. And the, say the west side of the tunnel faces the street. And it is open. And it, that's where the, uh, I think there's nine uh, of these tall spires that jut. 35 feet into the air and the rest of it's open. The ends are open. The east side has a block wall that's low. And then it has plexiglass, big plexiglass panels above it and runs almost that entire length. And so basically by law, by historic standards, we couldn't touch the canopy, the, the pylons that jut up the east wall that has the brick at the bottom and the glass and, um, and then the sign pole. But I remember sitting in a new investor class at the last uh, International Car Show last year. They said, well, if, you, if you're going to do this business, you want to make sure you have uh, as most visible sign as possible and try to get a really tall one, but knowing most cities don't allow. And I'm thinking back, well, we have a 35-foot sign pole check. Yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, very lucky, yeah. And, and, and they said, you know, you know, your name is important, but if you can only – have two words on the sign, it, it, it must be car wash. And this sign has those two words, you know, formed in metal and um, outlined in neon, but it says those two magic words. Yeah. And check. There you go. <laughs> you know, so- and so there were a number of things like that on that site that, 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 uh, you know, made some sense. So um, we couldn't touch the building or that sign pole. Now we can paint it, mm-hmm. but before we even paint it, we actually had to go back and chip off. Um, every layer of paint, and which we did and identified uh, about six different colors, you know, since 1961. Oh wow! And you can't take those colors off; you can only paint over it, which presents sort of another challenge. But in any case, that's what we can do there. There's other parts that are attached, but they're not known as historic, and so they have maybe a, contribute, a contributing influence, uh, but are not essential to the historic component. And so with uh, observation from his, the his, historic consultants, um, you know, we can carefully dismantle and demolish those parts of the building that um, are not historic, that in our minds are in our way. Okay. So really, all we can do is paint it. You get in the tunnel, it's a concrete floor. It has an antiquated and short um, above ground conveyor, which will be removed. And then it does have an, a few arches for water foam and like an antiquated kind of a dryer system. You know, it kind of looks like they had uh, like pool inflatable rafts <laughs> dangling from them, okay. like that old style. Yeah. Anyway, so all that stuff is removed and then we'll retrench a 130 foot, you know, um, you know, modern uh, below grade conveyor. Uh, and then it's all the balance of the equipment. And um, we have to upgrade the transformer. We have a, there's only a 400 amp 
transformer and we need, uh, amongst other things, 800 amps, but certain volts and all that. Um, and then we have to have a customized vacuum system because just where the building is, the building physically can't be moved for the historic reasons and it's close to the street. So, you know, we can only get a certain number of vacuums um, in and, and that's a bit of a challenge, but that's very typical for us. We do what we call urban infill, means we're coming back into an urban location that's previously been built and, you know, building something new, but because everything's built around it and you're not just, you know, way out in the, you know, the very kind of suburban rural areas where you can kind of more or less have as much land as you need. Um, here, everything's constrained and tight, but, but again, we're used to working in tight quarters like that. And, uh, you know, you don't always have like the best, uh, situation all around, but you have to come up with, um, solutions that are the best solution given the limitations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a good yeah. thing on that site is we have excellent ingress and egress. So as I've noticed in retail, if you're mid block and it's a busy street, um, there's typically a raised median and you can't just cross it. So if you're going one direction, you can't go left necessarily cross traffic into that business. Well, here we don't have a raised median and we have, uh, well, it's three lanes each way, but then we have that middle lane called the suicide right. lane. So the driver can pull into the middle of those two double doubles, or the, I'm sorry, the double yellows, and you can sit there and then make a left in. And so you can left in and left out after the wash. So we think that's a real benefit. So that part's good. And we have an emergency out after the pay station so that if someone, you know, whatever, their card was demagnetized or they didn't have money or for some reason they just need to leave, um, they don't have to attempt to back out or we don't have to do a dry run. We can just have a gate arm lifted by the attendant to allow that person to, you know, handily get out onto, onto the other street. Yeah. So it's got good things, but then, you know, we're challenged, I think, in terms of vacuums. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we were challenged in our third side as well. We can only put in so many vacuums, but, you know, you do what you can. Like you said, you try to figure out best site you can, and you're, you're going to always have limitations uh, in a site that you're developing, which, um, you know, and you work through them and you, you get what you get, which is good. So that, that's interesting. I think that open air concept is pretty unique to Southern California. You see a lot of open air car washes there. You see them in Southern Florida, uh, for example, where... Where, where there's no freezing, obviously you're not going to get where the pipes are going to freeze. So it's 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 pretty unique architecture to see these open air car washes, but they're only in a few spots in the country. For those who have not been to Southern California or right. Southern Florida to see car washes, those are those are unique. Yeah. Although although you know, along with that, David, what it was I've observed um, express car washes being built. Um, I've seen really only cl enclosed tunnels built where. You know, it's just, uh, you know, the ends are the only thing that are open, but then they have some kind of closures. Usually, it's, I think it's preferable to have a, uh, you know, some sort of a screen type thing so you get airflow and it, you know, dries out or has a chance to dry it at night. Mm -hmm. But uh, everything that's getting built is, is, that I've seen is not open. Right. But um, I think, I guess, the, the, the benefit to the open air is, is, um, is uh, you know, one, there's not, you know, somebody's maybe a little bit claustrophobic. It'll be less so if they're in an open tunnel like that. And um, you do get a view from the street of the cars going through, which was part of the uh, historic nature of the original car wash. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why we're demolishing some of the add-on construction that you know someone did over the years after the original construction to do, I think they were doing oil changes and 
um, detailing and stuff like that. And at a convenience store, just, just a bunch of things that we didn't have use mm-hmm. for. And, but it opens it up so that you can see it from both sides. And um, I, I think it adds you know, something to the interest. Yeah, I, I think back in the days when those washes were built, all that mechanical activity that was going on really caught people's interest. And I, I think today they probably build enclosed car washes. My guess is because the regulatory requirements don't want the, the noise factor of all that car wash equipment happening. I think they want it more enclosed in buildings. That could well be. We had to do, as I'm sure everybody does, a, a noise study. And, um, so that, yeah, that, that's, that's probably part of it. And, um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe security, um, ours is open and it will just be interesting to see, but, uh, but in talking with our cars manufacturer, there's, they, they don't say it's a, a, you know, big issue to, to have it open, uh, you know, from a safety standpoint, I guess there's probably some jurisdictions, you're right, that, that would require, you know, the, the whole tunnel to be enclosed. Yeah. Yeah. Would be, would, would be my guess. I'm not sure, but, um, anyway, so, so you had no operational restrictions when you laid the tunnel equipment out and the tunnel and the equipment room and everything, there was nothing, you were able to get everything you needed to produce the, you know, to produce a clean, shiny, dry car. No, no issues there working with a historical building. Um, not really. The tunnel itself was plenty long because it's 180 feet. So we made the conveyor 130. And um, I think the preferable way to build an equipment room is something that might be about eight to 10 feet wide that runs a good length of the um, Mm -hmm. wash tunnel. We're not able to do that because of one of our arguments to, uh, or a presentation to allow us to convert from a full serve to the express was that we were bringing this back to its original um, look. And the look was, there was this view corridor on, on the east side of the building. So if we paralleled the whole tunnel or a long portion of the tunnel with an equipment room, then that would be, you know, counteractive to our idea of opening the um, tunnel back up and bringing the historical. So we're actually, everything's fits, but I think that's in large part because, you know, we planned out what we're going to keep. And so we have a room that's roughly 20 feet wide by 40 feet long and the long end of that rectangle does parallel the wash and dividing that long half and two, you know, that, that West side of that room that's closer to the tunnel would contain the equipment like the you know, blower and the chemicals and you know, things of that sort. And then on you know the other half would have like a manager's office, handicap accessible, um, gender neutral bathroom, the, um, an employee break room and, uh, kind of a small storage room or mm-hmm. closet. And so um, it works. All the equipment fits in. And I don't think we're harming ourselves too much, but I've definitely observed when people are building from you know the ground up, you know, new construction, they're creating a long slender room that parallels the tunnel. And probably if we were going from the ground up, we would do something like that as well. But again, because of the historic, you know, it has to be more compressed into this uh, shorter space. But but apparently everything's gonna fit. So I don't think it's too much of a handicap. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. If you can make it work in the equipment room, then you're in good shape. And the tunnel is the tunnel, right? So you can probably do whatever you need to do in there. So that's good Good news that you've got that and that's working properly. So do you want to give us a couple more questions? One question is you're going to go back to the 2018 ICA show in Las Vegas. What 
What's going to be different for you this time than when the first time that you went? What are you going to be looking at? You, know, you got a little bit of experience under your belt in this development process. So what, what are, what's your mindset? What's your focus going to be this time around? Well, that's a great question. And we have been sort of talking about what do we want to get from the show. And so I think we want to kind of focus our time and be a little bit more strategic. Um, I think it's still good to leave time to wander the floor to, you know, run into friends and meet new friends and see what's new. But, you know, one, I think I'm you know very interested now in kind of explaining what we're doing or certain aspects of it and looking for more fine tuning and guidance. So like, you know, as an example, um, I think we've had a lot of help from the folks who uh, make the pay station, you know, because our pay stations are not visible from the street. Um, we just had a concern about, you know, potential vandalism. And so what are the different ways we can enclose the pay station? And are we concerned about heat buildup? And if you say brick something in and do you have like a little garage door in the front to protect the face? But I think a concern would be if we build too big of an enclosure, we could potentially disallow the, the car from getting close enough where they can easily just reach out the window and activate the buttons. Mm -hmm. And so r rather than trying to invent something or reinvent the wheel, I want to try to figure out, has somebody really pinned this thing down? And I know that what we want to try to do, but, but I want to see more on more about how to, how to execute this in a better fashion. And then I think on financing, we're fortunate that several uh, conventional banks, meaning like kind of bricks and mortar banks, three of them, uh, were interested in making the loan to us. And it's not a government loan or a, um, I'm forgetting SBA. the name, SBA loan. SBA. Yeah, it's not an SBA, it's just kind of conventional bank loan, which I'm enthusiastic about. But I'm also really interested in, in talking to people more on the uh, equity side. We've got a number of other, you know, sites that are, you know, in play that we're interested in doing. And I'd like to explore a little bit more on the on the equity side, you know, to, you know, something on a larger than it, just a, you know, we've got our financing complete now for the single car wash, but how do we expand? I think is, is that. And I think the folks who we've met with, I, I I think it's a good opportunity to try to schedule lunch or a coffee or a dinner or something and sit down and talk with them and understand, hey, what's going on with your business? What are your guys' challenges? You know, what's on the forefront? What do you see trending? And you know, what, what can we pick up and learn from it? And so we have, we're, we're bringing three people and our mentality is going to divide and conquer. And each, each of us are going to handle you know, three different aspects. One is finance. One is basically marketing. And then the other is going to be more technical construction, and so you know what, what we can learn from from folks there. And one of our people who's coming early; they're going to be doing some of the classes because they didn't do that last year. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think just being strategic about the time there, while also just also just taking the time to have a little fun and laugh a little bit and see what we can learn. Good. No, I think that's fantastic because you're going into with a strategy. A lot of times. People just go to the show and they don't think about it, but you're still at a point right now where you're thinking about how can I, you know, I want to get a lot of benefit out of this. I still got a lot to learn and I'm still in the honeymoon phase of car washing. So what can I get out of it? So I think that strategic approach is good. I think the divide and conquer approach is great as well. This episode of the How of Car Washing is sponsored by Diamond Shine. Diamond Shine is the premier car wash chemical manufacturer dedicated to maximizing the profitability and performance of car washes. 
Efficiently producing clean, dry, and shiny cars nationwide, Diamond Shine helps operators create a top-notch wash experience and satisfied repeat customers. From branding and marketing to on-site problem-solving, Diamond Shine's team delivers results. Visit DiamondShine.com today to learn more from the industry experts. Lastly, tell us about where you're at in the in the process. So where, where are you at with building or running it? Okay, well, sure. So we're uh, fully approved at the city. We had to have three public hearings, and um, so, we're, so we're all approved. And we have our construction drawings uh, submitted for the remodel. And we're waiting, you know, first round plan check comments. So that's um, underway. And then as far as our demo plan, that's already been... Uh, submitted and approved. And like I was mentioning, there's uh, four other buildings on the site. Uh, some of them have asbestos. Interestingly, this building didn't have, doesn't have asbestos mm-hmm. or lead-based paint, both of which would have to be you know removed properly. So we've already given our notice to the AQMD, which is the Air Quality Management District. You know, prior to starting your demolition, you know, you have to remediate the Mm-hmm. asbestos stuff off your site so that should start shortly followed by you know, the actual demo of these other buildings and that process is about maybe a week to 10 days of remediation followed by about five weeks of demo and at that point we would be you know ready to you know start we, we, we do have some land work we have to do the site's been asphalted for a long time but some of it we have to take up and you know, get different grades and handle water management. And we have a wall to build that separates the car wash from apartments. And then um, that'll be followed by the, basically, because the remodel of the part of that existing space that we're keeping um, for the equipment room and the other, and the, you know, functioning offices. And then just coordinating with uh, Sunny's or the, you know, to get the equipment in on time. And one, probably one of the long poles in the tent, but we started early as a, uh, Southern California Edison, that's our electric provider, mm-hmm. and we need a upgraded um, electrical service. Our, our hope is that uh, you know, we'll be open before the end of the year. That's so cars. Yeah, that's so exciting. So exciting. What an interesting project this is. I, I just am fascinated by you know this opportunity that you've got and the historical part of it and just kind of watching you go through this experience You know, 10 years after I did. So it's exciting. And I'd like to kind of maybe do this every three or four months, maybe check in with you like mid-construction and then check in with you a month or two after you've opened. Oh, that, that, that'd be great. I would, I would love to love that opportunity to share. It, it is really interesting. You know, something curious happened at the, um, at the International Car Show last year. I, so, so I was there and, and, and a gentleman came up to me after I'd been there for about a day and he said, hey, are you the guy that has the Whittier car wash? And I smile because, you know, there's a lot of people at the show and someone just walk up to you out of the blue is uh, surprising. And I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, and I go, wow, how, how did you know about it? And he goes, oh, I know all about that wash. And I go, really? You, are you, did you grow up in Whittier? Or, uh, Whittier's main claim to fame is, by the way, is uh, Richard M. Nixon was born in Whittier. Okay, okay. Pat Nixon was supposedly quoted as saying when I think uh, things got pretty dicey for him, she said something to the effect that uh, we're not in Whittier anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Not in Kansas anymore. Anyway, um, I thought this guy was from Whittier, and that would be how he goes. Oh no, no, I'm not from Whittier. I go, really? Well, how, where are you from? He goes, New York. I go, New York. How would you know about this one little wash in Whittier? He goes, Oh, everybody knows about it. And I said, Really? And I, I had no idea. But apparently, people in the 
historic realm know all about it. And um, our uh, consultant was saying that um, you, there will be national attention. In fact, she's getting together with the author, this fellow, Alan Hess, and they're writing a, uh, a piece on it for a publication known as the National Review. And oh, great. I, I mean, our intention is once we get open is to put the wash on the National Registry. Of course, we don't want to do it until we're open and running. Right, so right. Because we got some other agency telling us what to do. <laughs> we have enough bosses. Yeah, no doubt, but, no doubt. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that's exciting. That's exciting. So if uh, if people want to find out more information about the car wash, where would you send them on the web to look at the history of it? And then if people want to contact you, where would you recommend they go to? Well, we haven't yet created a, a website for the car wash, but it's it's actually a the historic component is a big part of our mitigation, and so we're we're in process. I mean, right now our uh, website for the company is clearwatercommunities.com. Um, my email, I mean, somebody could shoot me an email. I'm Dan at clearwatercommunities.com. In probably the next few months, we're you know working on the website, but it, it's going to have this significant historic component that um, we want to have photos and stories and articles and, and input, and we want to make it an engaging part of the website, you know, beyond normally what we one would see on a, on a in Express Car Wash website about, uh, you know, hours of operation, location, and types of washes, and buying membership, and things like that. But, but this historic component, and we've reached out to the Ford Automotive Museum. In fact, I happen to have been in Detroit. One of my kids goes to school at uh, Michigan. And uh, we were, you know, talking with them about um, trying to get historic information and photos and, you know, creating, you know, an interesting, um, you know, component that might serve a, a benefit beyond just the car's business itself. We also intend to put a camera up in at least one location, if not two, where they do that stop action photography and so in like a span of say a minute you can watch you know the entire process of the demo remodel opening and functioning of of the wash yeah so no it's good that's good yeah and i there are those a lot of historic photos floating around of old car washes like in the 20s and 30s and 40s and and probably you know while this car wash was operating in the 60s or 70s but i wish somebody would create a car wash historical book you know, that would have all these photos that I see floating around because um, I'm fascinated by it. And I think it's interesting to kind of see how this industry grew up and, and how, how mechanically it's changed over time. You know, how we used to, how they used to do conveyors and how they used to wash cars and um, it's changing so much. And it, But it's fun to see how it used to be done. So I think that's what makes your project, Dan, so exciting is, is you're getting to take advantage of the old historical view of it and the aspect of it, but you're going to have brand new technology to really produce good cars. So it sounds like so much fun. It's really interesting. And if any of your listeners have any uh, suggestions or align on historic photos or information, uh, love to receive it and, and incorporate it. And um, I, I would mention this maybe as kind of a final comment. Alan Hess was particularly enthralled with this whole concept because if we were just actually restoring this full service and keeping the same functionality, um, that would not have any poetic justice in his mind. Interesting. Okay. And in his mind, the way he views it is that this is exactly what should be happening here because when the car was originally created, it was a way to improve people's lives by having, you know, someone else wash your car and you get the entertainment value of watching it occur and all that, right? And the architecture is this forward thinking, forward looking. And by refurbishing the building and changing the 
mode of operation to the express exterior wash. Um, that is doing something that's futuristic because now we're going to provide a car service that like a full serve gets the car clean, shiny and dry, but it does it for a much lower price point and almost more important, a much shorter amount of time. And so to him, he thinks this is a very natural progression in the way it ought to be. And I think that's why he wrote this very, you know, interesting, you know, kind of peer review letter uh, to the planning commission and the historic age uh, conservancies about you know the, the project and, and and how it's unfolding. So it's this automation that has really intrigued him because that's the forward look. So it's like rejuvenating that architecture, but now taking it out again into the future. And I think with this, the way that automated pay stations are and the RFID readers, I think we're generally ready for autonomous or self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Because why can't uh, we have a deal with the Uber where car pulls in and it's recognized by our FID reader, just like if a human drove it and it drives itself and, you know, gets itself on the conveyor and leaves. And, you know, Ubers have to be clean. And even if they're self-driving. So maybe, you know, that's a um, uh, an angle we can take and having that step toward the future. Yeah, no doubt. Well, what an interesting and fascinating idea that, you know, you're going back back to the future, I guess. So you're taking that historic vintage view and making it uh, making it useful and futuristic again. So that is exciting. So, Dan, thank you so much. This has been a fascinating conversation. And then we're going to do this again in two or three months to kind of catch you mid-construction. And then we'll, uh, we'll catch you after you're open and we'll talk about some of the operational things. I think people are always interested in what, it, what it's like. What are you learning as you operate these car washes? What are some interesting things you're learning that you didn't think about and things you were able to overcome and challenges. So I think those are, those are great discussions to have, but thanks again so much for joining me. I appreciate it. And I'll look forward to seeing you at the show in two or three weeks. Thank you, David. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the how of car washing for more information, links, and other resources, please visit the how of and leave us a comment. If you have a topic you would like discussed, thanks for listening. And we look forward to having you next time on the how of car washing.